Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Well, I said I was going to teach on worship warriors, and then uh, while I was while we were worshiping there, I just felt the Lord said to me that I just need to give you a little crash course, a reminder of what I did last year when I was here. Who was last year in my meetings? Let me see. How many remember I taught on praise and worship? Does anybody remember that? Do you still have recordings of that? There's still, there is still recordings, I believe, of that. So those of you who are not here and you did not receive this, because to raise up a worship warrior, you obviously have to learn how to worship. Can somebody say amen? So just real quickly, the seven Hebrew words that we have for worshiping God, there are seven ways God wants us to worship, all right? And if anybody does have notes, maybe you can go back and find those notes. But the first word that God wants us to use is the word yada. Who remembers the word yada? Y-A-D-A-H. Yada has an action and a meaning. The action for yada, if anybody would remember, is to take your hands and to throw it in the air. Does anybody remember that? Yada. What does yada mean? It means I surrender. I surrender to you, Jesus. So when you come to church and we worship Jesus, we don't just come here to sing a couple of songs. There's a purpose. There's a reason of behind everything that we do. So I lift my hands in surrender unto God. When Paul said, let all men lift up holy hands, that is the word to yada. Let all men yada the Lord. Let all men surrender to God. Come on, show me yada if you can. Are you ready? Come on, lift up that. Wonderful. So yada means to surrender. The opposite word of yada is the word bemoan. Bemoan. It means to cross your hands in despair. It means that I'm here, but I, I'm not really here. It means I've come to church because somebody told me to be here, but my heart, my worship isn't in it. I've seen many people worship God like this. They stand like this. That's bemoan. B-E-M-O-A-N. Bemoan. The second Hebrew word that we learn is the word tauda. T-O-W-D-A-H. Tauda. Tauda is the same action as yada, which means to throw my hands in surrender. Amen. So I'm taudoing God. But the, the meaning is different. Tauda means to give thanks to God for the things not yet received by faith. So when I lift my hands unto God in worship, not only am I surrendering to Him, but now I am giving Him thanks for my miracle that is on its way. Can somebody say, mm-hmm. That's what we do. Number three, and you can get the in-depth teaching on it. The third word I taught on was the word halal. Halal, H-A-L-A-L. It's not the chicken halal thing. Not that halal. Halal means to celebrate. It means to rejoice. It means to rave. It means to uh, brag. But what it means also is to become simply foolish in His presence. Halal comes from the word hallelujah. Hallelujah can be broken up into three sections, hallelujah, 
Hale is the, is the worship. Uh, Lu is people. Yah is Yahweh God. So it is the worship that takes the people into God's presence. So when we come to church, we halal before the Lord. We party. We rave. That is normally done in the first part of our music. Normally when we jump and dance and shout because that's what God wants us to do. Amen. He doesn't want you to be all religious and quiet. If you can worship the devil out there, you can worship God in here. Thanks for all the amens again. <laughs> Have you seen them at the rock concerts? Have you seen it when they sing a slow love song? Everybody's got their cigarette lighters up. Mm. That's worshiping the devil right there. You come to Jesus, we worship Jesus. Nobody can lift their hands up. It's too much effort. Would your neighbor and say, we're speaking to you, not to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> we, can go to a, we can go to a wedding, and have you watched people dance at the wedding? I mean, they can dance, and they can sweat, and they can party until 3 in the morning. But get that same guy in church, he can hardly clap his hands and move his feet. You can say, mm-hmm. So halal means to celebrate and rave before the Lord, Okay. That's how we, don't, we, we worship him. Then we find the word shavach. Shavach. You spell it S-H-A-B-A-C-H, which is, is written shavach, but pronounced shavach. Shavach means to address with a loud tone, to speak with a voice of authority. That means to scream, to shout. Hello, somebody. We are to shavach the Lord. When we, you, 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 I'm sure Pastor Ross, you've seen him and you've seen me when we pray over people and I bind the devil. I'm not speaking to the devil as if he's my friend, he's my enemy. Do you understand that? Many times we pray, we say, in the name of Jesus, I use that authority. He's not my friend, he's my enemy. Amen. So that's the word shavach, to address, to sing with a loud voice, to shout. Then we use the next word, is the word barak. B-A-R-A-K, Barak. Barak means to kneel down before God in worship. To kneel before the Lord. It's not begging. It is giving thanks to God also for the things not yet received. I'm kneeling before Him in worship. I'm surrendering unto Him. He's my King. He's my Lord. Can you say amen? If He's my King, then I bow before my King. I kneel before my King. That's the word Barak. The next word we used was the word zamar, Z-A-M-A-R, zamar. Zamar means to worship God with all types of music and all types of instruments. Psalm 150 makes it very clear that we are to worship Him with everything that there is. Amen. Sing all kinds of music, worship Him with all types of instruments. And then the last word we had was the word tehillah. Not tequila, hey, tehillah. Tehillah means to worship God in the spirit. Tehillah worship is the highest form of worship that you can give God. Romans chapter 8, 26 says, When I do not know what I should pray for as I ought, the help of the Holy Spirit comes and intercedes on my behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered. Verse 27 says, And he prays the perfect will of God. Can you say amen? The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit knows how to touch the heart of God. 
So when I'm in the spirit, in tongues, when I'm praying in tongues, I am praying the absolute perfect will of God for the saints. I'm interceding. But can you imagine when I'm singing in tongues, I am offering unto God the highest form of worship and praise. Amen. These are the seven ways that God instructs us how to worship Jesus. That's what he says. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the word of God has been inspired. Amen. It's inspired and it is there to help us, to teach us, to instruct us on how to follow God and worship him. All right. So just, I just gave you this quick little refresher on how we are to worship the Lord. Now. In the army, I was in the army, and every army that you have, Australia has an army, and every army has different divisions. You have in the army the medical corps. The medics, as we would call them, we all go through boot camp, basic training, but then they specialize in medicine. So when there's a war, the uh, sick soldiers or the injured soldiers would come back and the medical side of the army will take care of them. You know what I mean. We have the administrative side of the army. Those are what we like to call the pen pushers. They are the ones who write. They are the ones who keep note and, and do the books and run everything on paper. Can you say amen? We have the Air Force. The Air Force are the ones who fly. We have the Navy. The neighbor are the ones who go on the water. They fight out there. We have all these different officers. We have what we call the tiffies or the, the mechanics. You need mechanics in the army to fix up the tanks and the trucks that break down. Can you say amen? you got to have them. We have the ops, people who are, who are operational and they work with the, with the radars and they work with the radios and they do all that kind of stuff. So we need them. Everyone is specialized in his side. But then you get what we call the foot soldier, the infantry soldiers. They are the ones who physically go out and do the war. They fight. But then you get an elite group of people. And I suppose I, I could only mention it according to the U.S. Army because we see it in the movies. And they are called the SEALs, the Navy SEALs. Who understands? Those are specialized soldiers doing a specialized job. They're not your regular, average army guy. These are men who have gone through extreme training, who go through extreme warfare, who are very, very accurate in what they do. They operate under stealth. They come in quietly and they go out quietly. Who gets what I'm trying to say? They're very strong, very well trained. And I want to use this tonight to say that when we teach on worship warriors, everybody is a worshiper, but not everybody is a warrior. And so I want to use this word as worship warriors to be the godly seals. Not Navy seals, but godly seals for God. Amen. Are you ready for this tonight? It's not a big revelation. We're going to pray for you at the end of the service. But I pray that you'll get something from this. My time is very short, so I have to move quickly. Joshua chapter 5. If you have your Bible, Joshua chapter 5. 
I believe that what I'm about to teach you tonight is very, very important. I believe that it's part of the end times. I haven't anybody else te heard teach on this subject the way I teach it. Because I believe it's something the Lord gave me. I have taught this throughout every country that I go to. And I believe we are raising up something called worship warriors with a purpose. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man, capital letter, stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. Now, I don't know about you. If I walk down the street and the guy with the sword stands in front of me, there's trouble. Can you say amen? There's trouble. Now, some people freak out and run away, but I like Joshua. Because he wasn't afraid. Because the Bible says Joshua went to him. <laughs> Can you imagine? He has a guy with a sword. Hey, what do you want? Where other people say, what are you going to do? Don't hurt me. There's a big difference. There's a difference of being scared and being full of faith and power. See, when, when persecution comes, we run away from it. We don't want persecution. But you're going to have to face it sometime or the other. Because the more you stand for God, and the more you serious become for God, the more persecution will come your way. You will be mocked. You will be teased. You will be spat on. You might even be beaten up because of the name of Jesus. Hello, somebody. Don't look at me like that. You say, well, this is Australia. It will never happen. How do you know? How do you know? The only persecution you and I get now are words. But we're not being like some pastors in India right now are being boiled alive. What ISIS is doing to Christians right now is taking the children and filleting them alive. They never, you, you don't hear this on the TV. They'll never put that on TV. Where they take Christian children and nail them upside down on the cross and skin them alive while the parents watch, saying to them, you've got to deny Jesus. We got it easy, friends. I said we got it easy. So I don't want to put fear in you, but I just want you to understand that the more serious you become with God, the greater the persecution and the opposition is going to be. Thanks for the amens here. But we don't have to fear, for if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? So it came to pass now when Joshua's at Jericho, he has a man who comes with his sword drawn. Joshua went to him and he said to him, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? So he said to him, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Who do you suppose is the, Lord's com the, army's, uh, the commander of God's army? Come on, say Jesus. Don't be shy. Say his name, Jesus. Jesus is the commander. He's the general of our army. Look at me. Jesus isn't a sissy. A lot of people look at Jesus as this little skinny guy hanging on a cross with a little, you know, crown, thorn crown on his head with some blood trickling down his face. That's not the Jesus we serve. We serve a resurrected, all-powerful, all-glorious, mighty, miracle-working God. I'm telling you right now. 
For somebody to have suffered like Jesus, if I could teach you on the crucifixion, maybe one day I'll do it. I'll take you into depth in detail how Jesus was tortured. A skinny little guy would never have lasted as long as Jesus. He was muscular, he was strong, and he was super fit. That's how Jesus that we serve. And he was a fighter. So was Moses. So was Paul. And so were all these guys in the Bible, but we tend to make them so weak, you know. We tend to make them so small and so pathetic. The God I serve is an awesome God. He's a fighting God. He's a warrior God. Come on, give him praise if you believe that. He's a powerful God. So the Lord comes to him and he says to him, No, but as commander of the Lord, uh, uh, army of the Lord, I have now come. So Joshua fell on his face to the earth. He worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you now stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Then, verse 1 of chapter 6. May I speak prophetically tonight. How many of you believe in the prophetic? Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. It's kind of like how some churches are, isn't it? We tend to hit a plateau or get to a level and that's where we stay. It's not getting bigger, it's not getting smaller. It's just kind of like everybody's hanging around. Does that make sense? Now, verse 2 says, the Lord said to Joshua. So I want to say, you are Joshua tonight. The Lord says to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. See, I've given Harvey Bay into your hand, the king, the strong man, spiritually speaking, and all the devils that go with it. God says, I've given it to you into this church. You can give God praise if you believe that tonight. He's given it to you. Do you believe that, family? I believe that with all my heart. But how many know that with every prophetic message, there is also a condition attached to it? So God says, uh, this and this and that will happen if you do this, that, and the other. All right? Well, he says to him, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. Are you getting this? You will march around the city, all you men of war. Of war, He didn't say all you prayers or, or you Bible, Bible study people. He's talking about fighters here. Getting it? Men of war, you shall march around the city and you shall go all around the city once. And you shall do this six days. Somebody say six days. Now, I'm going to get into this right now. To lay just a quick... Uh, uh, Foundation on to say, why worship warriors? Okay. Number one, when God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in him, he did that for six days. Can somebody say amen? Come on, help me. Six days. Six days the Lord worked. It's all in Genesis. So, in these six days, he worked and great things happened. And then on the seventh day, what did God do? To whom does the seventh day belong? Belongs to the Lord. If you understand the Bible and the history of the Bible, you will find from creation, take a 2,000 year period. 
something very big and significant happened in the Bible time. If you don't know what it is, I'll tell you. It is Abraham and Isaac. 2,000 years, exactly. From that time, Abraham is a type of God. Isaac is a type of Jesus. The Old Testament is a shadow and type of the new, right? And this is where faith was birthed. Because God called Abraham the father of faith. Why? Because he had to go and sacrifice his son Isaac. Am I still speaking the truth? It was a very hard thing. Imagine that. Putting yourself in, in Abraham's shoes. When God says to him, Abraham, do you love me? He says, yes, then I want you to take your son and kill him and sacrifice him to me. Hi, man, just goes way out of God's character, doesn't it? I'm not going to get into that because that's a powerful story on its own. But he did that and God saved Isaac by bringing a ram into the, into the place. Amen. We, you and I should have died, but God gave us Jesus who died in our place. Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the sacrifice for us. So it was a great happening. That's where faith was birthed. And it's Isaac and, and Father Abraham that were working there. So if you take another 2,000 years from Abraham and Isaac, 2,000 years, an even bigger event took place. Who knows? The birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus took place, and we all know the story of Jesus and salvation and so forth. So there were two major events that took place every 2,000 years. Two plus two is four. Now, if you take 4,000 years plus another 2,000 years is how many years? 6,000 years. How many of you know how long has Jesus been raised from the dead, gone up to heaven? How long is that time period? It's 2,000 years. In actual fact, I believe we are over it, I think, according to the Jewish calendar. Whatever, we're there, 2,000 years. So 2,000, big happening, 2,000, big happening, 2,000, big happening. It hasn't happened yet, but I believe it's going to happen. And I don't know if you know what it is, but I know what it is. The big happening that's going to take place is the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, have you? The, the return, he's going to come back again. That's something to look forward to. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to it. And if you do understand the Bible, I'm not preaching end times now. But, you know, when Jesus comes, we're going to be with Jesus for seven years. And then we're going to come down. And we're going to have a big major battle. Armageddon, who understands that? We're going to see all this stuff happen. And then we're going to rule and reign for 1,000 years. Is that true? It's all in the end of Revelation. Go and read it. We're going to be on earth with Jesus for 1,000 years. And then the end comes. Then, we, then we're just going to be with God. But that last thousand years belongs to God. Can you say amen? Now another scripture says, because of the time I can read it, but the scripture says that one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Amen. So I believe, and I know you believe with me, that we are in the most exciting time in the history of Christianity and religion. This is the most exciting time because I believe we will be the generation that will see the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on. We're going to see the rapture take place. We're going to see God come and take His people to be with Him. Now, you've got to either believe that and have an expectancy for that or you're not going to believe it. Now, this is where the worship warrior is going to come in. Now, I'm jumping the gun, 
But I just want you to understand this. That when we worship God, do you remember when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey? Do you remember what the people were doing? They took off their cloaks. That's very important. Threw it down on the ground. They broke palms, palm leaves and threw that on the ground. And what did they shout? That's right. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, why did those Jews back then shout that? Because they were believing God for a new king. Remember, Israel didn't have a physical king back then. So they were expecting a physical king to come. Can you say, mm-hmm. But Jesus wasn't a physical king. He's the spiritual king. He's the king of kings. Hallelujah. So what happened is that the Jewish people, through their intercessory prayer and worship, they were ushering in the return of the king. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they were singing their intercession. They were singing the return of a king. Is this making sense? Which makes your praise and worship, our praise and worship, much more effective. That when we begin to sing, we don't just sing a song to get goosebumps and enjoy the presence, which happens and it's great. But we must bear in mind that when we sing, we are also to usher in the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've got to get God to come back in. I believe it. Somebody had to usher Jesus back in into Jerusalem. Somebody has to usher the presence God back in the house. Is this everybody with me? So he says, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king, the mighty men of valor, and you shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once, and you shall do this six days. Somebody say six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Very powerful. Seven priests. Now, if you want to, quickly go to Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. Make a, make a, a cross reference there. Revelation 1 6 says, And God has made us kings and priests to his God and Father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Come on. How many of you get this? He says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. How many of you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb tonight? Good. What does that mean? That means now that you and I are made kings and priests to his God and Father. So tonight we are kings and priests. Why? Because we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Come on, we are children of God. Can you say amen? We're born again children of God. So as the Old Testament spoke about priests, tonight he's speaking to us as priests. We are kings and priests. Now he says that the priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the ark. Somebody say a trumpet. Well, if, the, if I've just shown you now that we are priests, then God also has given us trumpets. You say, I don't have a trumpet. Well, Isaiah chapter 58. 
Go to Isaiah 58 verse 1. <laughs> now listen, I said last night, I said that this isn't for sissies, right? Amen? This is for radical people. Is there anybody radical here tonight? I don't just preach this in any church. I preach it where I find people are radical, and this is a radical house for God. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I'm picky on who I want to choose as my worship warriors, if you understand. So verse 1 of Isaiah 58 says this. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Don't you even say you have a trumpet. <laughs> I can see some of you looking at me all funny and strange. Yes, you do. You have a trumpet. My trumpet sounds like this. Can I hear your trumpet? Come on. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Come on, do it again. Now, don't look at the guy next to you because he's going to feel silly, you know. So just do it again. Come on, close your eyes. One, two, three. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now, if you're a visitor, I know you're going to say, I knew I shouldn't have come. I knew it. I knew they are mad people here. <laughs> so he says that we are to lift up our voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgressions and tell the house of Jacob their sins. But let's go back to the scripture. So we are still now in Joshua chapter 6, right? Verse 4 says, And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the ark. Say before the ark. What does the ark mean? What does that represent? The ark represents the presence of God. Right? What is praise and worship? Why is praise and worship so important in the church service? Well, look at me. If I'm a priest and I was walking doo -doo 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 -doo, in, the, in the Bible time now, blowing my trumpet, doo -doo -doo, what was behind me? The priests were carrying the ark. So the ark was following the sound of the trumpet. So when you and I come to church on a Sunday morning or in any worship service, the moment you and I begin to sing, shout, and dance, we begin to usher in the presence of God. God inhabits the praises of His people. <clears throat> so when people come to crazy churches like this and they say, oh, that's too much for me, I can't handle it. Remember this, that we are ushering in the very presence of God. It is a manifestation right now at this time, but I do believe it's a manifestation of the physical return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, we are ushering in. We are calling in the return of God. <clears throat> Amen. Isn't that powerful? I love this. So he says they will blow the trumpets, but on the seventh day, somebody says seventh day, <coughs> you shall march around the city how many times? <coughs> Why 777? God's perfect number, right? God's number is seven. And then it says, and the priests will do what? They will blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass when... They make what? A long blast. Somebody say a long blast. With what? The ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that some of the people shall shout. Thank you. Help me. Said all the people will do what? They will shout. Now the Bible says they will shout with what kind of a shout? 
with a great shout. That word great there is a warrior shout. It's not a sissy shout. It is a fighting shout. Can somebody say, mm-hmm. How many of you saw the movie Braveheart? Huh? All the guys. Yep, that's mine there, right there. <laughs> we love Braveheart, wasn't it? Love to see that movie. Who was it? Uh, Mel Gibson, I believe. And do you remember in the movie, there is a battle that's going to take place. The battle was for freedom. Isn't that so? And here is old Mel Gibson on his horse, you know, brave heart. And he has his army behind him. Their faces all painted, wall paint, you know. And they rush, 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 ready for battle. Is that true? And he's on his horse and he's encouraging them. Someone, guys, we're going to fight. We're going to defeat these people who want to steal our freedom. We're going to take them out. We're going to kill them. Is that right? And everybody, yeah, yeah, even got their spears and their shields and they're banging. Is that true? I love that. And here's the plane. Imagine the plane. That there's going to, yes, the one army and yes, the other army. Now, there's two types of armies that you get. There is an army who is geared up and ready for battle. And then there's another army who is just there. And what did he do at the end? When we had finished speaking to his soldiers, he took his sword out and the commandment went, Charge! Is that right? What did the soldiers behind him do? Well, they didn't look at him and say, All righty. Here we go. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Did they do that? They didn't go and, you know, and say, oh, I suppose I've got to fight now, but I'm really not in the mood for it. You know, I just, I hope they don't cut me and I'm not in the mood. The Bible says they shouted with a great shout. What is that? <laughs> See the reaction? <laughs> Are you okay? Luckily, we can raise you from the dead. Now, I don't know if you just caught what I just did. Practical teaching here. You can say, oh, we're going to fight now. Mm -mm 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 -mm. You don't look very scared now, do you? But when I rushed off on you with a loud shout, what did it do? It put fear in them. I mean, got a fright. Whoa, whoa. Well, that's what happens in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, when you and I begin to shout, when you and I begin to fight, then the demons begin to tremble and they begin to take notice of what's going on here. And God comes and he fights the battle on our behalf. Hallelujah. Come on, the walls came tumbling down when they started shouting. Glory. I said the walls came tumbling down. You have a wall in your life. You have a wall in your family. I don't know. A wall of sickness. You have a marriage problem. You have a financial problem. You have children who's rebellious. You have a, an addiction. It's time for you to stand up and to begin to shout against this thing. Come on. It's time to shout. It's time to fight. It's time to take back what the devil stole. If you believe that, give God a big clap offering. Come on. Hallelujah. Now. Are you still with me? Judges chapter 7. Judges. It's just the next chapter over. Judges chapter 7. Oh, I like Judges. God is good. And all the time. So we read here 
in Judges 7 verse 1, then Jerubbabel, and that is Gideon. Somebody say Gideon. Now my name is Dion, spelled D-E-O-N. So my name comes from Gideon, obviously. So when I got this word, God spoke to me and he said to me, you are G.I. Dion. G.I. Joe, G.I. Jane, G.I. Dion. Bless God. I'm God's G.I. Hallelujah. I'm God's warrior. And it's okay. You may be jealous of that. I don't mind. My name's in the Bible. G.I. Dion. <laughs> so... Okay, here we go. <laughs> so, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early in a camp beside the well of Heron, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me, to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Well, here is a war that's about to take place. Israel, look at verse 12. I just want to show you this is powerful, just to give an idea. Israel is about to fight. The Bible says, verse 12, how many you know the Bible can't lie? So verse 12 says, now the Midianites... The Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And how many of you know those camels had riders? Think about this. So the army that is going to fight Israel is as far literally as the eye could see. A huge, massive, massive army. Amen? There's this big army that's going to fight. Now, why are they going to fight? Well, you, go, you need to go and read chapter 5, chapter 6 to see why. Israel is prospering. Israel is blessed. The animals, when they give birth, are giving birth to twins and triplets. Hello? It's powerful. The, the crops, when they sow... Oh, the crops are just yielding great, you know, great fields of harvest. They had lots and lots of water. And so the Amalekites and the, 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 the people of the east, they were so mad at the Israelites, they started killing the livestock. They burned down their, their, their grain and they poisoned their drinking water. Why? To kill them, to stop them from prospering. If we look at today again, shadow and type, what are the three things Satan steals in the church? Number one, he steals the, the meat of the word. The revelation teaching of the word. He steals the bread. And what else does he do? That Satan has come to poison the gifts of God, the Holy Spirit, the water. Come on, not in this church. But how many churches are flowing in the Holy Ghost? How many churches are, are seeing people being healed, set free, and delivered? 
Wow. So here were the Midianites and Amalekites, and they're so angry, so they begin to kill. So Joshua uh, Josh and them are now going to, uh, uh, sorry, Gideon and them are now going to get into this big fight. All right? They're going to fight these people. But now before they start the fight, God comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, I'm going to give you the victory over the multitude of these people. You're going to slay them. You're going to win them. But you can't do it with the amount of people you have. So I'm going to give you a little less people to work with because then you can't brag on, on what you have done. Now think about this. Come on, let's read. He says, the Lord said to Gideon, verse 2, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hand. Verse 3, now therefore... Proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. Whoever is fearful and whoever is afraid. Okay? Watch this. 22,000 people returned and 10,000 remained. In other words, there was an army of 32 people of Israel, 32,000 people. That's all that there was. The army of the enemy is as far as the eye can see. If you take your regular cricket stadium or rugby stadium here, we have a 30,000-seater stadium. Can you picture what I'm trying to say? 30,000 people fit into a stadium. The people that were going to fight them would never have fit into the stadium. It fits the whole city. That's how many were going to fight them. You're getting this... this I mean, it's impossible. Now, I can imagine, oh, Gideon, oh, please play with me tonight, will you? Would you take your imaginary cap? Come on, take your imaginary cap. Now, put it on your head. Now, imagine you are Israel. Would you play with me? I'm Gideon. Now, imagine there's the army. Can you see them? As far as the eye can see. I mean as numerous as locusts, like the sand by the seashore. Can you see that? Your knees are going like this. And now you come to me, you say, Gideon, you better go and pray. Hear what God says. Because we're going to have to fight these guys, and, and you're the leader, so go and hear what God says. So I say, okay, let me go. So I go and I pray. I say, oh, God, you can see these enemy. There's so much out there. Please, you're going to have to help us. We need, a, we need a, I don't know, an atom bomb or a bazooka. <laughs> we need something to kill them. So God says, Gideon, yes, Lord, the people that are with you are too many. Huh? No, not huh? The people who are with you are too many. Tell those who don't want to fight and who are scared, go home. But no buts, tell them. So Gideon comes out of his tent and says, hi, guys. Did you hear from God? I sure did. What did God say? Well, God said, if you don't want to fight, you can go home. 22,000 people say, yes, bye-bye. I'm out of here. I'm not going to fight. Can you picture that? Come on, put yourself in the shoes of Gideon. He looks at it, what? Are you going to leave us? You want us to fight them on our own? 10,000 remain. Did you know that two-thirds of the local church, or no, two-thirds of the body of Christ does not want revival? I'm going to say it again. Two-thirds of the body of Christ do not want revival. How many of you are visitors to this church? You don't belong here. Raise your hand. Let me see. So the majority of you that are here from this church, which is an awesome thing. But most churches are not hungry for revival. 
So Gideon says to them, if you don't want to fight, you can go home. So just picture this with me. There they go, 22,000 people. I could just imagine Gideon's heart sinking into his shoes saying, oh, man, how are we going to fight this army with 10,000 people? Anybody with me? So the guy said to him, go and pray again. He says, yeah, I think so too. (laughs) So he goes and he prays again. Let's read on. Everybody with me? So verse 4 says, the Lord said to Gideon, (laughs) the people are still too many. Are you with me? Verse 4. The people are still too many. Now bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. It'll be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whoever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men. Got your cap on? You 10,000 people, right? There's an army out there, right? So here I come out of my tent. Hi, guys. Did I pray? You ready to hear what God said? See, the enemy is large, eh? So here it is. God says for me to tell you, you need to drink water. (laughs) You're not getting it. I have to do what? Drink water. Are you crazy? I'm not even thirsty. Look at the people out there. We're going to have this fight. You want me to drink water? Yes, I want you to drink water. And I want you all to go to the little river there. Now remember, it, was a, it wasn't a massive river. And think about 10,000 people. Is anybody with me? 10,000 people lining up next to each other. It wasn't a little trickle of people like we are tonight. It was 10,000. And yes, old Gideon, he says, drink water. And so they go. And he says, you go that side, you go that side, you go that side, you go, you go that side, you go that side, you go that side. And so he goes through 10,000 people. It must have taken him a couple of hours. When I was in India now, I laid hands on 5,000 people. It took me 54 minutes to just lay hands on 5,000 people when I was in India. Now, can you imagine what it took him with 10,000 people? You go there, you go there, you go there, you go there, you go there. One, you go there, you go there. It's amazing. I could just imagine. Come on, picture this with me. Pastor says, hey, guys, we're going to have a revival again. Brother Dion's coming off from South Africa. Somebody say, ah, again? Yeah, and we're going to do it for the whole week. What? Oh, man, the whole week. Oh, you're crazy. It's so much work. Oh, you get what I'm trying to say. But you need to come to church because you need to get in the river. God's going to speak to you, touch you, heal you, deliver you. You need to come every night. Don't skip one night because God's got something for you. Oh, really? Do I have to come every night? So when Gideon was standing there and he was taking, now imagine there were people who kneeling down now because they were told to drink water, right? Now there's, there's three types of people who go to church. The first one who goes to church is the one who says, I have a church, you know, I just go. But when there's special events, when there are things happening, they never come to it because they go to church. 
They're all sitting at home right now watching TV, not interested in what's going on here. The second guy you have who goes to church is the one who's the man pleaser. Who's the man pleaser? I love my church. I love my pastor. Hi, pastor. Did you see I'm here tonight? Hello, you don't look at me like that. I know that. Some people just come to make the pastor happy and to have them not look bad for not attending the meetings. I'm not, I'm not really wanting to be here, but I'm here. Because I love my church and I love my pastor. I don't like what that guy's preaching. I don't like what he's doing, but I'm here. All right, the third guy you get are the ones that are sold out to God. They are the hungry ones. They're the, they're the ones who want anything and everything that God can give them. You get what I'm saying? So there's Gideon. Imagine 10,000 people. The sun is beating on them. There's water there, and they're complaining. Oh, Gideon wants us to drink water. This enemy as far as the eye can see. Ah, can you see him? No, I don't see him. Oh, man, you know, I just wish that he would do something else. Why, why does pastor have to have us a whole week of meetings? And why do we have to fast and pray? Why do we have to do this? And why? Who gets what I'm saying? The complainers. Do you see him? No, I don't. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Quickly, drink. Oh, no, wasn't him. Wasn't him. <laughs> oh, this is so boring. Gonna sing another song. Sunday morning service, you know. He's over his time. He's preaching too long. Hurry up. Is he coming? Oh, here he comes, here he comes. So when Gideon comes along, the first reaction of the people, they go like this. They, they drink water like a dog. You see? Hi, Gideon. Look, I'm doing what you told me. Is it good? Watch. <laughs> the man pleaser. The man pleaser. But there's the other soldier. He's then... He's watching, you see, he's, he's alert. Because the guy who kneels down like this, he puts his helmet, his shield, his spear, there it is, and he just drinks like a dog. When the enemy would attack him, well, he'd have to grab this and look for that. And he would be caught off guard. But then you find the warrior, he would kneel down. He's got his shield and his spear in his hand. He's constantly observant. And he will drink water. There's a big difference. The Bible says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Now, when you read the scripture there, you'll see that when Gideon had finished separating the two groups, 9,700 were on one side and 300 were on the other side. 300. And God says to Gideon, by these 300 men, I'll give you the victory. Can you picture that? So yes, 32,000, it goes down to 10,000, goes down to 300. The group is very small. The enemy is as far as the eye could see. So I could just imagine Gideon coming and saying to the people, listen, all right, you three, and I'm just skipping the verses, now you can read it. But he says, you 9,700, you don't want to fight, you can go home. So these men march off, they say, yeah, thank goodness, I don't have to fight. But the 300 who remain, can you picture the fear in their faces saying, Gideon, what are you doing? You can't send them away. 
How much percentage is 300 from, three, uh, from 30,000? 1%. Somebody say 1%. Now let me tell you prophetically. 1% of the local church is completely sold out to God. 1% of the church will do what it takes. And that's the worship warrior. 1%. If there's a march for Jesus, I'll be there. If there's a prayer session, I'll be there. If there's going to be feeding the poor, I'll be there. If it's going to take whatever it's going to take, I'll be there. Who knows what I mean? When pastor calls a prayer meeting out, guess who pitches up? Just the same old, same old. When there's an outreach summit, guess who comes? The same old, same old. It's just that little group of people. The 1% that is the heartthrob, the heartbeat, the engine of the church. I'm speaking prophetically. It says, not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Hopefully you are part of the 1%. Can you say, mm-hmm. So let me bring this thing to an end. Are you enjoying this tonight? You're getting something? So verse 7 says, The Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So we're going to skip a couple of verses. And let's go on to verse, uh, let's read verse Verse 15, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped and he returned to the camp of Israel and he said to them, arise, so this is to the 300 now, arise for the Lord has delivered the camp of the Midianite or the Midians are into your hand. How many of you believe tonight that God has delivered Harvey Bay into your hand? Amens are very little here. I'm going to prophesy again. God has delivered Harvey Bay into this church's hand. There is something about to happen in the next time, the next few weeks and months that's coming. I'm telling you right now. So God said to them the following. Divide, or he divided the 300 men into three companies. And then he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside of the pitchers. Picture this now. A trumpet, an empty pitcher, what's that? A clay pot. And a torch, a thing that makes fire to bring light. And then he said to them, verse 17, Look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. And when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpet on every side of the whole camp. And then you will say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So can you imagine when Gideon sends away 9,700 and there's just 300 men left over, the 300 men say, Gideon, you need to go and pray. Now seriously pray and hear what God says. So I could imagine Gideon getting into the tent again. He falls on his knees. He's petrified. He's lost so much of his army. 99% of his army is gone. And he says, God, what do you have for me to bring this victory? God, how are we going to take Harvey Bay? 
God, how are we going to defeat the enemy? And God says, don't worry, friend, I have a plan. And I could imagine Gideon say, praise God, modern warfare, huh? Bazookas, laser beam things, I don't know what you have. We've got to kill them. A new spear that can launch, you know, take out 20,000 with one run. Maybe a, a, a thing that can shoot 50 arrows, you know, one guy, I don't know. Who can picture war? Think war. So God gives him what to do. So here comes Gideon out of his tent. There's 300 very panicky people. And I say, well, Gideon, did you hear from God? Well, what did God say? Well, what are we going to do? And Gideon says, well, I have the latest technology <laughs> of warfare. It's going to work great. But I could just think, think warrior, okay, think soldiers. Think, oh, what is it? What is it? What are we going to do? He says, well, line up, break up in three companies, 100, 100, 100. So the 300 smaller groups now, 100, 100. And so they all line up and he says, okay, are you ready? This is what God said. And he walks with his hand behind his back. And he comes to the first great warrior that's about to fight. And he says, here it is. Are you ready? Ta-da, a trumpet. <laughs> oh, they're not getting it. Pastor's getting it. A trumpet. What do you want me to do with this thing? Do you want me to blow him to death? Die. <laughs> oh, and... Not that. Here's, here's a picture. A picture. Wow. Oh, look, there's a torch inside. That's wonderful. So what you want me to do is you want me to blow in his ear and then take the picture, hit him over the head, and then take the torch and stick him on fire. Is that what you want me to do? How many of you, know, you always have the funny guy in the army? And so the first one would make a joke. He'd say, oh, I know, I know. This is what we'll do. We're going to call the enemy. Say, line up, line up, line up. First one, come on down, please. Come on down. Turn around. Thank you. Give me your ear. Next, please. Come on down. Come on, help me. Say, say. Will you help me? One, two, three. Come on. Next, please. Come on down, come on down. And if he doesn't die, you hit him to death. <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. Ridiculous. How are we going to do this? Gideon, are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. I heard from God. Sometimes God's ways are not your ways. And God's thoughts are not your thoughts. And when God chooses to fight the battle for you, He'll fight it in His way. Hallelujah. You don't have to stress about it or think about it. And I'm telling you, when I say God is giving Harvey bait to you, you might say, how? How is it going to do? How is this possible? But don't you worry because God has already proclaimed it. I declare it in the prophesied, in the spiritual realm. Harvey bait is yours. I said it's yours. You can get ready to make this the children's church. You're going to build a 5,000-seated auditorium somewhere. I'm telling you right. Oh, there's no faith in this house. Come on. It's time to get a 5,000-seater auditorium, man. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Say, it's impossible, brother. No, you think it's impossible. And those people thought it was impossible when they saw the army. And all they got was a trumpet and a pitcher and a torch. And so what did Gideon do? When they lined up, I love this one. This is very important. The 300 companies did uh, the, so Gideon, verse 19, 
And the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. And just as they had posted the watch, they blew the trumpets. They broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the 300 companies blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers that they held uh, the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried out and they said, the, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. That means they didn't even go in and fight. But what happened? The whole army, this is the enemy, they ran and they cried out and they fled. And when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. Oh, this is awesome stuff. So all God said was now stand around this camp. And when I blow the trumpet and when I sound that the camp's sleeping, you see the enemy sleeping. And when they did it, doo, 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 and they broke the pitchers and they put up the torches, they heard this massive noise. God amplified it. Can you understand that? And when it amplified, the guy woke up, it's dark, he sees torches and fire and he hears this. <laughs> sounds like this massive army coming and he grabs his sword and because it's dark, somebody comes and he just kills him. And they begin to slaughter themselves. I want to prophesy now. Whatever has been spoken against you, whatever have said, people have said behind your back, whatever people have spoken against this church, the very words that they have spoken shall return to them and they will fall by their own words. I'm telling you right now, nothing but nothing shall stop what God is about to do in this city. No jealousy, no hatred, no bitterness. Nothing will stop what God's about to do. Come on, you can give God a bigger, bigger, bigger praise of you. It's time for revival to break out in this city. Hallelujah. It's time for Jesus. Do you believe that? So the battle's not yours. The battle's the Lord's. And all we got to do is two things. When we shout praise and worship Jesus, He fights. Not only does He fight and keep the heavens open over this city for us to take the city and see them thousands of people getting saved but above that we usher in the presence and we're calling in the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ come on give him praise if you believe ah oh, come on somebody help me hallelujah stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church